welcome to the Interplay Podcast. My name is Joe, and I will be your guide in understanding our different levels of mind and how we could use them to our fullest potential. The goal here is not to fully comprehend and conceptualize these topics, for we are discussing something so vast and unlimited that there are no real words for it. Simply dots to connect in a unique and intricate web of complexities. So without further ado, let's dive right into the depths of this beautiful interplay of the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious facets of mind. In our last episode, we discussed where the borders between the different levels of consciousness lie and left off by transitioning into the topic of the different planes of existence as well as the different layers of consciousness. So what are the different planes of existence and layers of consciousness, and what do they have to do with our minds and conscious experiences anyways? Well, get ready, because here we are going to launch a deep dive into this massive and multifaceted topic and aim to explore all of the nooks and crevices that encompass these interesting concepts, as well as how they relate to our own minds and conscious experiences. Also, not only are we going to explore different hypotheses in relation to the beliefs of these planes, dimensions, and levels of mind and consciousness, but we are also going to do our best to trace back and understand the history of most of these beliefs and where they even originated from. So with this, allow us to begin by asking this first question. What even is a plane of existence, and how does this relate to our consciousness and conscious experiences as a whole? Well, let's begin by defining what the term plane means specifically, as this will help us immensely moving forward on this topic. The term plane, as we are using it within the context of this episode, may be defined as a level of existence, thought, or development, with its etymological roots tracing back to the Latin word planum, which has been translated into flat surface. You will hear the word plane arise often in different branches, belief systems, and schools of thought that often fall under the umbrella categories of cosmology, mysticism, esotericism, spirituality, philosophy, metaphysics, and occultism. The astral plane, the etheric plane, the emotional plane, the causal plane, the physical plane, the mental plane, the buddhic plane, the spiritual plane, the akashic plane... These, quote, planes go by many names. Now, when we attempt to settle on a concrete definition of what a plane of existence actually is, things begin to get a little wonky. And honestly, as we continue to move through this episode and deeper into this rabbit hole, things will just continue to get wonkier from here. When we're studying something like Euclidean geometry, mathematicians all seem to agree on what a plane is a two-dimensional surface that extends indefinitely. When we're studying the beliefs of different occult, esoteric, spiritual, philosophical, metaphysical, and mystical systems and schools of thought, it truly depends on who we're talking to, as well as which specific branch of each system we are focusing on. From there, we may find some commonalities and overlaps, although for the most part, we will receive different answers depending on who we ask, which makes the development of a tangible understanding in relation to these topics 
near to impossible. Although, here we go anyways. <laughs> Many believe that we have the ability to travel through these planes and dimensions by using our consciousness as a vehicle. For example, some believe that when we dream, that is our unconscious mind traveling through the dream, which is often associated with the astral. And when we lucid dream, that is our conscious mind traveling through that same realm. Now, the relationship between the mind and consciousness in this case is where it may get a little confusing. Talking about the conscious and unconscious mind rather than consciousness and unconsciousness. Although we will surely touch upon this specific subject and connection in future episodes. Now, it is important to note that even though I am using words like travel and through, the planes are often not associated with actual places, and this is often the difference between a plane and a dimension. The trippy part about planes is that they are actually often not considered to be places, and that we tend to understand them as places because we exist within the dimension of space and time where we have the ability to travel and move through space and time. It is even said that we are functioning on all of these planes simultaneously, although we are only consciously aware of this physical plane. Dimension, as we will be referencing it throughout this episode, may be defined as a measurable extent of some kind, such as length, breadth, depth, or height with the most common example being that of spatial dimensions, such as the third dimension or 3D. Therefore, the concept of dimensions is often tied to that of measurements, and in the wonky context of planes, measurement doesn't really exist, because space and time don't really exist. Although even within the world of dimensions, Many scientists, especially those exploring the mysterious world of quantum physics, are beginning to push boundaries by questioning and rethinking what a dimension is and how it may be less about measurability and more about observability, realizing that there are probably more dimensions than just the three or four that we're currently able to make sense of. So even the current definition of what a, quote, dimension is may be changing in the future. Who knows? Although for this episode, this is why we will be using the word plane rather than dimension. So now that we have a little bit of a better understanding, a little bit of a better understanding as to what a plane of existence is, as well as how it relates to consciousness, we can now move on to the next question of how many planes of existence and layers of consciousness are there? We will begin by focusing on the different planes of existence and then finish off by exploring the different layers of consciousness. Although first, it is important to include another facet of this topic, which is, in addition to the planes of existence, there are also what we call different layers of bodies, that often exist in association with these planes. Some may call these bodies subtle bodies, energy bodies, the human energy field, the different layers of the aura, the human energy system, bodies of consciousness, the spiritual bodies, and many other names. For this episode and throughout this series, 
we will be referencing the understanding of these hypothetical layers of bodies by using the simple term bodies. These bodies are often said to be energetically tied to and inseparable from our physical bodies and exist in relation to the different planes of existence. For example, some believe that we have a layer in our energy field called the emotional body, which would thus be tied to the emotional plane, the mental body to the mental plane, the etheric body to the etheric plane, the astral body to the astral plane, and so on and so forth. If you have ever listened to Eckhart Tolle, even Eckhart plays around with the idea of bodies by mentioning the pain body. Although once again, it is also important to note that depending on which narrative and belief system we are tuning into, we will receive different answers as to how many layers of bodies we actually have, as well as which plane they may be tied to, if any. Although even science has proven that we do all in fact have an energetic field that emanates from our physical bodies, which cannot be seen with the naked eye, but is most definitely present and detectable. Now, aside from that tangent, allow us to move on with the original question. How many different planes of existence are there? Some believe that there are 3, 4, 7, 10, 12, and even 31. There are all kinds of different hypotheses, although for this episode we will be discussing some of the most popular beliefs, as well as those that are the most agreed upon among different spiritual and philosophical belief systems and schools of thought. The simplest and easiest plane to start with is that of the physical plane, whose explanation is pretty self-explanatory. The physical plane is one of the most agreed upon among various belief systems and schools of thought. The physical plane is where this physical reality exists, our physical bodies, the planets, and ultimately our physical universe. This is also considered to be, as mentioned before, the reality of space and time. In terms of energy, frequency, and vibration, the physical plane is also believed to be one of the densest planes. Beyond the physical plane, many believe that the next closest plane is that of the etheric plane. Although honestly, this is where things begin to get a little more fuzzy and a little less concrete. Regardless though, this hypothetical etheric plane has always piqued my interest. It's often associated with the color purple, and some believe that it is the layer that connects us to the spirit realm. We can find the term ether when diving into the history of physics, religion, philosophy, and even video games. But what actually is ether? The term akasha in Sanskrit is often used interchangeably with the English term ether. And the mention of Akasha is one of the oldest records that we have of what we now call ether, written thousands of years ago in the ancient Hindu Vedic scriptures. Akasha is mentioned a lot in Indian cosmology and in Vedantic Hinduism. By many, Akasha is believed to be, quote, the basis of everything that is created, unquote, and the first element created. In the Nyaya and Vaisheshika schools of Hindu philosophy, I apologize if I am mispronouncing that terribly, 
It is believed that Akasha is the fifth physical substance and or element, and this belief also changes depending on which branch of study we focus on. Although it is surprising that many schools of thought believe ether to be associated with some mysterious fifth element, which is also often related to the metaphysical concept of it being the plane and layer that is closest to that of the physical. There are also beliefs in Buddhist cosmology that propose the idea of a fifth element in addition to water, earth, air, and fire, which is space, and in other words, ether. And interestingly enough, just as Christianity is said to have its roots tied to Judaism, Buddhism is often said to have its roots tied to Hinduism. Ether is also sometimes interchangeable with that of quintessence, which is sometimes mentioned in Hindu metaphysics, although we will not be diving too deep into that rabbit hole in this episode. The idea of ether as a fifth element was also brought up by Aristotle and Plato in ancient Greece, estimated to have been mentioned around 4th century BCE. The idea of luminiferous aether also arose within medieval and late 19th century science and physics, with philosophers, scientists, and mathematicians like Rene Descartes and Isaac Newton describing it as, quote, a medium of space, unquote. Although the majority of these scientific ideas regarding ether have since been discredited and are now perceived as pseudoscience by the scientific community. Some of the most popular beliefs regarding ether are derived from different occult, mystical, and esoteric circles, such as the beliefs derived from that of the Rosicrucians. It is said that the Rosicrucians believe that ether is, quote, a finer grade of matter that permeates the atomic structure of the earth as well as its atmosphere, unquote, and that there are different layers of this ambiguous ether. Many of the foundational Rosicrucian beliefs are often derived from esoteric Christian teachings, and it is also considered to be closely related to most branches of Freemasonry. Many of the esoteric Christian teachings are also said to be derived from Gnosticism and from Gnostic belief structures, which was also most definitely influenced by many older forms of mysticism and philosophical schools of thought. Gnosticism is also said to be closely related to that of Hermeticism and Hermetic philosophy, and they are said to have flourished within the same time period, with Hermetic texts like the Corpus Hermeticum and Gnostic texts like the Nag Hammadi Codices having an estimate of also being written within the same time period. The true origins of Gnosticism change depending on who you ask, since many of these teachings are so old that we have no concrete records left, with much of it being destroyed or simply lost through the years. Although many believe that Gnostic ideas have originated through circulation within early Jewish and Christian sects, while others believe that its origins were solely Christian and that Gnosticism split from early Orthodox Christianity due to their beliefs being labeled as heretic during that time. Today, there are many different Gnostic sects and organizations that exist. 
Although the order may be questionable, it is believed by many that after the physical and etheric planes come that of the astral. The astral plane is another common and well-known plane of existence, even by those who have no particular interest in things like mysticism, occultism, spirituality, metaphysics, and philosophy. The rise in popularity of astral projection, as more people heard stories of others controlling their dreams and being able to travel outside of their bodies, definitely piqued more people's interest on this mysterious topic. Some believe that our consciousness transitions into the astral plane immediately after physical death, and some believe that this is where we, as in our consciousness, travel to when we dream. It is also said that when we are traveling through the astral plane, we are actually traveling within our astral bodies. Many believe that those who have near-death experiences also travel to the astral plane. Many also believe that people can be guided into transcendental states where they can have out-of-body experiences and travel to, you guessed it, the astral realm through processes such as guided meditation and hypnosis. If I were to get into all of the details regarding the astral plane, this would be like 10 episodes in one. Although this is a very fascinating subject, so if this does interest any of those listening, I do encourage you to do your own research and uncover information that resonates for you personally. As I assure you, you will not be left unsurprised. The next plane that we will be discussing is that of the mental plane, which is also a very popular and well-known plane. Some describe the mental plane as, quote, consciousness working as thought, unquote. This is said to be where thoughts come into form instantaneously without the formation of words and concepts, just pure thought form. Some believe that people have the ability to communicate with others instantaneously, telepathically across this plane, and that as with other planes, there are also different levels that exist within this mental plane. It is said that before things manifest in the physical plane, it always begins as a blueprint within the mental plane, and this concept is a major factor that comes into play within many different manifestation practices. The law of mentalism within hermetic philosophy is also closely tied to the concept of the mental plane. Many mentalists also believe that most of their work is done by operating on this mental plane, and the mental plane is also a very popular plane in the world of magic, as many believe that through this plane, we are also able to connect with the minds of others. Now, once again, although I do love discussing and going into depth on these topics, if this topic does interest you, then I encourage you to do research of your own, as there is a lot to uncover. The next plane that I am going to highlight is that of the emotional plane. Some believe that the emotional plane is directly above the physical plane rather than the etheric. The emotional plane is said to be tied to our emotional body and, you guessed it, our emotions. Surprisingly enough, some consider the emotional plane to simply be another name for the astral plane and that these two planes are actually interchangeable. 
Many consider emotions to be E-motions, which is also considered to be energy in motion. Feelings are often said to be one of the most powerful and influential forms of conscious expression. Some believe that the emotional plane and or body connects the physical to the mental. It has been described by some as, quote, our relationship to all things, unquote. The emotional plane is actually one of the fuzziest planes that we've talked about here, as there is very little information on it, and the information that can be found is often so radically different from other information that it really comes down to which source resonates with us the most, and what information we're able to receive through our own personal experiences. There is much more that can be found on the emotional body, which is interesting, with the emotional body often being said to house all of our personal emotions and emotional history. Now, after these planes, the other planes that are said to exist really fall under the categories of more specific practices. For example, the four different, quote, worlds that are recurringly mentioned within the world of Kabbalah, which may be loosely defined as a school of thought that lies within the category of Jewish mysticism. These four worlds go by the names of Asiya, Yetzira, Beria, and Atziluth. And once again, I apologize if I'm pronouncing these wrong because I don't speak Hebrew. But yeah, that's what they're called. Asiya, Yetzira, Beria, and Atziluth which often translate into the world of action, the world of formation, the world of creation, and the world of emanation. There are also several different attributes that may be correlated with these worlds depending on who you ask, although for this episode we will be focusing on these four main translations. These four worlds are mentioned within the Zohar, which is a collection of books that is said to embody most of the foundational beliefs of Kabbalah, and is also understood as a collection of mystical commentary on the Torah, estimated to have been written within the 13th century. Although one of the earliest written texts that is connected to what we now understand as modern-day Jewish esotericism, the Sefer Yetzirah, has no mention of these four worlds at all. It gets even more confusing as, once again, depending on which system and school of Kabbalah we focus on, such as Lurianic Kabbalah, this belief about the number of worlds and their nature begins to change. Kabbalah is also not the only form of Jewish mysticism, although it is considered to be one of the most popular. For example, Merkaba mysticism is an even earlier form of Jewish mysticism that is said to have flourished around 1st century CE. Kabbalah was also heavily influenced by the earlier Jewish writings of the Sefer Yetzirah, and it is interesting to see how these beliefs mentioned within the Sefer Yetzirah tend to overlap with the recorded beliefs of what we now know as early Gnosticism. Now, to once again highlight the fuzzy nature of this vast topic, I am going to insert this reminder that we still do not have a full, comprehensive, and concrete understanding of who these Gnostics even were, as well as the actual dates and origins of the majority of these ancient texts 
belief systems and philosophical teachings, including that of the Sefer Yatsara. There are also many different branches of Buddhist philosophy, and depending on which branch we pay attention to, we will receive different answers regarding how many different planes there are. Some Buddhist beliefs say that there are three, and some say that there are 31, which is so intriguing to me. So at the end of the day, who really knows? And I mean, there's no way that we could really know. And honestly, that's okay, because we don't need to know. But it is interesting and fascinating to make some kind of effort to understand this vast and mysterious world that we live in, not due to necessity, but simply curiosity. Now, to transition into the closing of this episode, we'll end by discussing a topic that is a little less intimidating and a little easier to grasp and make sense of. Although similar to the planes, there really is no way to truly know, and that is how many layers of consciousness are there? The most common layers of consciousness are the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious. Sigmund Freud also proposed that there are three layers of consciousness, although he proposed that they are called the pre-conscious, the conscious, and the unconscious. Carl Jung went even further to say that not only are there different layers of consciousness, but there are also different sub-layers of these different layers of consciousness such as the personal unconscious and the collective unconscious. This is mainly from a psychological and philosophical viewpoint, although if we tread into the category of spirituality, we will once again receive varying answers, such as 3, 4, 5, 7, 12, and more. So the truth is, who knows? The most common, accepted, and easily understood answer as of now is 3, although this could change as our understanding of consciousness begins to change. I mean, what is consciousness anyways? Not even scientists can agree upon a concrete definition as to what consciousness actually is. And honestly, once again, that's okay. Do we really need to know? I feel like there's no rush to understanding what consciousness actually is. And we're allowed to feel comfortable taking our time exploring this vast subject at our own pace. I mean, we've been exploring it for thousands and thousands of years, and we're still here asking some of the same questions. Maybe these questions are meant to be asked just so we could realize and witness the vastness of life, and how even when we don't know, and even when we don't understand, life goes on and we're all still here. Now, to close, I am going to wrap this up by mentioning three main points regarding the content mentioned within this episode. The first point, and disclosure, is many of the popular occult and esoteric teachings and beliefs that are passed down today were essentially stolen from older belief systems that often originated from older cultures and schools of thought, some of which have been completely destroyed and obliterated with their history being erased entirely. 
Many of the books, temples, sacred structures, and historical records tied to other, much older organizations and schools of thought have been burned, destroyed, and completely wiped out by the majority of the religions and schools of thought that still remain today, especially those tied to that of the Abrahamic religions. Think of the Great Library of Alexandria, one of the largest beacons of knowledge and recorded history, filled with papyrus scrolls and other influential bodies of text that existed over 2,000 years ago, burnt to ashes. All throughout China, what we now know as the Americas, as well as other locations, the mass destruction of sacred structures, the theft of sacred knowledge, and even the massacring of innocent people. This leaves little left behind for us to trace back and learn about a large portion of our past, which for now remains a mystery. Although just because we don't have recorded historical sources for them does not mean that they didn't exist. Even though Hermeticism as a whole is believed to have Greek origins, Hermeticism is actually a very eclectic belief system, with most of its roots tracing back to even older belief systems, such as Egyptian, and in other words, Kemetic, philosophy and occultism, especially those which rose during the revolutionary period of Atenism, and even that of Zoroastrianism, which originated in what we now know as ancient Persia. Hermetic philosophy is derived from many older belief systems than the ones listed above. Even though Hermeticism as a whole is often ascribed to the Greeks, and most of the information that the, quote, Hermeticists, unquote, have recorded and passed down, have been translated into their own personal narrative. So even the information that has been received from older cultures and belief systems is not 100% accurate because their original records have either been lost, stolen, or destroyed. When we trace it back far enough, all evidence ultimately disappears, including the origins of most of the teachings that still remain today, and it then simply becomes pure speculation. The second point that I would like to disclose and make note of is the main narrative and structure of these newer and popular mystical and philosophical schools of thought are often propagated, run, and spread by males. Even within the major religions, most of the original teachings have simply been lost through translation over the years. For example, many of the original references of, quote, God, and these ancient texts mention, quote, God as being genderless, gender being associated with God's identity, such as God being referenced as he, has been added over the years by men. Many of the organizations and orders in the esoteric and occult world, which are often tied to many of the teachings and belief systems that we mentioned here, are fraternities and often run by men who, in addition, deny any womb-bearing people entry and access. Often, groups that do, quote, allow, unquote, womb-bearing people entry 
are often spreading messages and teachings that are heavily masculine and patriarchal, with the majority of the teachings still being taught by men and only allowing men to be in those higher-ranking positions of power, and often allow womb-bearing individuals access with the sole intention of indoctrination. Yes, of course there are some organizations and groups that allow womb-bearing individuals access, although the fact that I even have to go out of my way to mention that is an issue. This is not some random byproduct of unintentional and accidental behavior. This was very much intentional, methodical, and planned out to be this way, to unfortunately target and exclude womb-bearing individuals, due to the fear of the inherent power of the feminine. If you have any questions, simply gaze back at our timeline and allow history to speak for itself. Even the word, quote, woman, translates into, quote, wife of a man, with the word, quote, man, meaning, quote, all of humankind. The word, quote, female, is derived from the Latin word, quote, femina, and the word, quote, male, is derived from the Latin word, quote, mas. The change in the ending of the word femina to turn it into the word female was done with the intention to impose the meaning that female means womb bearers are somehow derived from males. That is literally the only reason that the word female is female in relation to the word male. It is literally embedded within most of our languages, especially that of the English language. Womb bearers and femme-presenting individuals have endured this kind of treatment for long enough. It is time for a change, and honestly, way past due. The third and last point that I am going to mention is actually a shout-out. I would like to give a grand thank you to one of my most influential and inspiring teachers, as I would not be here making this podcast right now if it weren't for her, and her name is Melissa Tears. Thank you for genuinely introducing me to the magnificent world of integrative hypnosis and neuroscience and fun in relation to these fields. I'm still to this day integrating, studying, and applying practices that you taught me and the teachings that I receive from you are ones that I will carry with me for life. So, since you have contributed to this series by contributing through the lessons that you have passed down to me, I would like to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And with this, our episode will now come to a close. Throughout this episode, you may have realized that I was getting into a lot of details and specifics regarding the wording and terminology that I utilize, mentioning different things like etymological roots and connections, and concrete definitions and conceptual meanings, which leads me into the topic of the next episode. In the next episode, we will be exploring the understanding and importance of language, questioning what language even is, and how many of us not only speak in languages, but also think in them. Stay tuned for the playful, hypothetical, mind-stimulating, and wonder-rejuvenating topics to come. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to the Interplay podcast. There is great power in not knowing, for to know would be to put that knowledge in a box. And if you would like to go support me on Patreon, then you could go ahead and visit patreon.com slash interplay, or just look up the Interplay podcast on Patreon. You could also feel free to check out my blog on unitedbeing.com. That is U-N-I-T-E-D-B-E-I-N-G.com. And I greatly appreciate any and all of the support genuinely as always. Best wishes to all of you beautiful minds and peace out.